Episode 193 is here, everybody, with the founder of Beyond Personal Finance, a curriculum aimed toward teenagers on teaching them the ways to be financially responsible, creating financially responsible young adults. Please welcome the one and only Charlotte McKinley. The Optimal Life. So I, I was wanted to bring you on because, as we were just talking about prior, um, I think this is a topic that doesn't get nearly taught enough in our school systems, Sharla. And um, what we're taught about social studies, science, English, history, <laughs> math. People are rewriting the books as we speak. There's all these things and all these subjects and all this literature that these kids are trying to digest. One thing that I don't ever recall learning growing up was how to be financially responsible. So yeah, why absolutely. is this why is this stuff not being taught in our school systems? You know, it's funny because uh, so often I'm asked that question, and uh, you know, I had kind of a standard answer, some thoughts, etc. Until one day, it really struck me. My daughter, she was in the eighth grade at the time, and my teenage son, who is very good at math, he was gone. He went uh, started college and so I was left with my eighth eighth grade daughter and her geometry class so normally she'd go ask him um my son but instead there I was and she has got her geometry book open and she asks me a question and of course I've taken geometry you know like I know generally how it all works so I saunter over there and look at it and I'm looking at material that I probably should know but I don't. And it made me very embarrassed for my lack of knowledge. And I remember just trying to get out of there, just just uh, answer the question or find her the answer and hope she never asks me another geometry question again because it's making me look stupid. I, I just didn't know, you know? Right, right. That a lot of parents they don't know because like you said it wasn't taught and so a lot of the things we've learned we've learned the hard way and we've learned by making mistakes um, and and paying for those mistakes and, and we're still digging out of those mistakes and so we do not feel confident leading our kids in a direction that we ourselves don't really feel confident about and then you know if we if we get uh get them a book on it or whatever it is then we really can't explain it very well or or our kids say um oh mom is this what you're doing you know it says here to save this much or invest this much or whatever is this what uh no so i think it starts the root of it starts at the parents who are hesitant to uh, to educate their kids because it makes them feel awkward about their own journey. Um, it becomes for a school system. There's a little bit of kind of right and wrong that history doesn't. Well, of course, you say history doesn't have, but you know now you know we we do see history as as some things that were done right and wrong. But I think that money, you know, for a, a teacher stand up there and say, hey, you really need to budget and you really need to save this much or your house really needs to be this much of your income. Those 
those are judgment calls that parents may or may not agree with. It may be hard to write because they're not just hard and fast rules like geometry has. Um, yeah. I think sticky really is, is basically it. Uh, I think it's and it's hard. And then also, you know, in, in the curriculum that I teach, you know, I'm talking to 10th and 11th graders about buying a house one day that's so far in the future that I'm not even sure until I show them really why that matters, teaching them to, you know, to calculate a 20% down payment seems a little bit silly because it's so far in the future. Yeah, but let um, me ask you this, Charlotte. Doesn't it seem silly for them to learn about uh, geometric angles uh, for something that they'll 99.9% .9 never have to use in their entire lifetime? Why are absolutely. We so why are we teaching about these, these uh, funky equations that are never going to be used versus a down payment which eventually, God willing, one day they all will be used? That's right. I mean, that is the goal, right? And, you know, I guess just that is historically what we've, you know, I, I don't know where you, you guys are, the listeners, but here in North Carolina. I have listeners all over the world. Dropped, uh, they dropped cursive as something that is, uh, that is taught. And there was a big outcry from a, a group of of parents that you know they really felt that cursive because that is what we use you know what we historically used that we need to continue that and, and we're losing an um you know a very important part of of our adult life if we if we don't know cursive we you know we're missing something and i don't know if that's it's hard to compare that because, you know, there are some very important reasons to know cursive versus these angles that you're talking about. I don't know if it's kind of like, well, that's what we learned in the past, and it's also, it's easily quantifiable. You know, when you teach some of these math things, it's easy to test on angle calculations. Um, so maybe they're just hard. It's hard to, to get rid of it. Also, here in North Carolina, they mandated financial um, literacy to be taught in the high schools here, which is a big win. But because of the structure of the school system and um, the way that teachers, uh, are, you know, the, the contracts that they have, etc., instead of hiring someone to teach personal finance who has training in that, what they did is they dropped one of the histories out of the curriculum for high school and they took the person who was teaching the history class and, and said, okay, now you're teaching personal finance. <laughs> that, <laughs> because, you know, scary. that yeah. teacher presumably was teaching X number of classes, only, only a segment of which was the one history that was dropped out. And so it's not like it's a full-time gig to teach personal finance. So now we've got history teachers, poor things, now having to teach personal finance, which right. is and, hard. And you they're, know, it's hard enough you're teaching something that you were trained in. Yeah, their finances personally may be upside down first and foremost. And then on top of that on top of that, these these are not people that are qualified to teach such a topic. But there are finance majors, accountants, etc., that probably are qualified to teach these. And it, to me 
It just doesn't make any sense. Why? This is the most important, one of the most important things as you go into your adult lives. You're going to be racking up debt. You're going to be student loans if you're going off to college. Uh, eventually, a mortgage payment or a, a, at least a monthly payment on a rent on a rent check to your landlord, um, bills, car insurance, all these things that become part of your life as an adult. We know that those things are there. That that is coming your way. You could you could right. you could study all the history books, all the English classes, all the communication, all the garbage that you're never gonna use in your life. Yet we don't do this. So my question now is, and I wanna to get to your program but because we know that you have one in place, but if you were to put together a program for a high school curriculum, I mean, just generally speaking, I'm sure you thought of this before, what would some of the things that you would do to implement in that school system? All right, well, the first thing that I would do, and this is kind of, the, this is the foundation of the curriculum that I wrote, is what I noticed in my own house because I have a finance degree, um, I'm a CPA, so I, I, financial literacy was super important to me. And so when I tried to just talk to and teach my son, just here at the house, understanding that you know the call the high school uh, was not going to do it and that it was going to need to fall on me if it was going to happen, what I found from him is that when I would lecture about ways to save money and, and you know, ways to invest and all that, he, his eyes would kind of glaze over and he just, and finally I drilled down, you know, enough. I got so kind of frustrated enough and I said, what's the problem? And he's like, you know, mom, the stuff you're teaching, I'm and the stuff that I'm, I'm watching these lectures and we're doing, you know, reading books and stuff, this is all fine, but I'm not going to be poor. <laughs> and so I don't, you know, buying a $5,000 car, I mean, that's probably good advice for people who aren't going to have a lot of money, but I'm going to have a lot of money. <laughs> not good for him. <laughs> oh, right. Super. And, yeah. But in sweet little guy, in his honesty, he really helped me understand that until we show these kids how easy it is for them to get into trouble by either racking up student loan debt or choosing the wrong career or uh, making unwise financial pur purchases until I'm able to convince them that it can and will happen to them, then all of my teaching on how to get out of trouble just becomes like teaching someone else like they're not in trouble so helping them get out of trouble does you know what I'm saying so the first thing I would do is bring it home to the kids and that's what my curriculum is is I let them choose we we pretend we walk it's 20 lessons where we walk through age 22 to 42 and we start with them choosing the college and career that they think they would choose and then I have them choose everything from a car and an apartment, a spouse. They have babies. They buy a house. They get insurance and investing. All of that, but because it's done from their perspective, then they can't argue with me when, because they calculate a budget every single lesson that we do. It's like, okay, great. Given your choices, now add a car in. 
now add an apartment in, you know, and they begin to see their savings rise or fall based on the quality of their choices, then they are ripe for really important things like, hey, did you know that when you get out, it's going to feel like you have a lot of money, but you're going to have to save a ton in the beginning. So time value of money is, is so important, right? Save so much earlier so that your money can begin working for you when those lean years come along, like uh, when you have kids, your money is already in, in the market and earning money um, while you're, you know, you might have to scale back some of your savings. So teaching them the why and then teaching them how important it is uh, to save early uh, and that, you know, like time is their most valuable asset how easy it is to wreck their credit score and uh, a little bit of consumer savviness, which is, did you know you're constantly being sold to? And mm. did you know that there is so much research that goes into how to get you to spend your money? And did you know that, you know, when you look around and compare yourself to people, they can buy, you don't know if they've paid for that or if that's just paying on their credit card. So, you know, you, you can't judge people by what you see on the outside because they could be, they could have a mound of debt or they could be financed by their parents or some other, you know, bluebird that has uh, gone their way that won't go your way. Um, uh, and then, you know, credit cards and, and interest and how compound interest can work for you if you are an investor, but it can work against you if you're a borrower. So those are the things that I would definitely make sure and teach them. And in, in addition to that, as your kids are growing up and getting in the getting older, becoming teenagers and going through high school, what, what what do you do in terms of letting them through real world examples, allowances, for example? Um, mm -hmm. You know how can how can allowances and and handouts around the house, you know, doing things, chores, etc. How can you tie that type of stuff in? Um, to let these kids understand a little bit more about the, the value of money. Sure. So, you know, I'm so fortunate that I had my son before I had my daughter because my son is a spender and my daughter is a natural saver. So a lot of these truths about, you know, money don't resonate. I mean, they already resonate with her and that they're just not needed. But my son was over there and he was... He had a job, and I will never forget, um, Chipotle was doing, on Halloween, dollar burritos. And so if you show up in a costume, you get one of their ginormous burritos for a dollar. So we all, as a family, went there to get these dollar burritos. But uh, my son, who had a job, kind of a part-time job, he, uh, he was like, Mom, I'm going to go across the street to Panera. I'm like, what are you talking about? These are dollar burritos. He's like, yeah, I'm just kind of in the mood for a salad. So, you know, I'm just going to do that. I'm like, dude, you're paying like 10 times more. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> because when we give kids money, but we don't require them to use it, uh, then we're in trouble because then they just feel like Daddy Warbucks, you know, like my son and the Panera salad versus the dollar burrito. So when that happened, it really helped me understand, okay, I'm going to require him, I'm going to give him the money that I would normally spend on his food and when we're out to eat or stuff, and I'm going to have him instead 
I'm going to have him get a separate chick, um, ticket so that, you know, if I say, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, 100 bucks a month to eat out, when we go eat out, you're going to have a separate check. <laughs> and any money that you save, you can keep. Or, you know, if you spend more than 100 bucks, it has to come out of your wallet. He began to make wiser choices, like splitting uh, splitting a big old hamburger with his sister who doesn't eat very much. Mm. You know, he realized, oh, wait a minute, I only have to pay for half of this hamburger. You know, things like that. When, when uh, school supplies, instead, I knew how much I was going to give my son for school supplies for the year. But instead of me doing it, I just gave it to him and said, hey, I need you to make... I need you to make your own choices. And he was much more thoughtful when he had to physically pay out the money, even though it was my money. So I do encourage parents, and I talk about this a lot. Uh, I I do a a weekly blog on raising adults. And when it, you know, I, I, I give ideas and try to communicate ways to transfer the responsibility to your kids and let them physically see how expensive their lives are because it's only then that they'll begin to go oh wait a minute and adults are adults spend more money yep wow that's really going to be great yep so i definitely would do that and then on the other side of it making them have responsibility uh in the form of getting a job is super the cost job teaches so much and it's teaching them about money it'll also teach them you know how to work with an unreasonable boss and and how to manage a schedule and how to you know manage your time and all of those things and i so i definitely do that because that would will help them begin to understand what life as an adult is like because it, you know we all work so you kind of need some training wheels on that kind of practice that a little bit at what age um, do you suggest kids get their first job is there an age well for me my son uh he wasn't very diligent in school um he would he want he believed that when he got done with school at three o'clock that he needed a break and he needed to rest on the couch and he was kind of done with his working day and I tried to explain hey there's a homework element here you need to spend a couple of hours you know because I'm trying to get him ready for college right um, and so you know what can you study what can you do and I found he would not do it this is at age 15 and so I told him okay here's the deal you, me I'm raising you to be an adult adults don't just our day doesn't end at 3 o'clock and begin at 9 a.m. And, and end at 3. So I'm going to require you to get a job with some of this free time that you have because you are choosing not to invest your free time in being a better student. Mm. So for a lot of kids, the focus should be on school. Maybe they struggle and they need to spend extra time, or maybe they're diligent, they have dreams of um you know, going on to an elite school that would require grades and rigor. But for the rest of those kids who are not that good, that their goals are not in that area, 15, 16, after school jobs are okay. And they will teach a lot. And what it did for my son, he got his first job at 15, is it compressed his time. And he began to understand, oh, man, 
I need to, you know, I got to get this work done because I have to go to work later. So, you know, I need to make sure to do whatever homework he had. He still wasn't super scholastic, but he at least, it helped structure his life so that he didn't have that wide open space of 3 p.m. to 11 you know, yeah. his bedtime, that's a long time that he wanted to sit around and play video games. Yeah. And I just, that's just unrealistic. Well, this all makes a ton of sense. And I, again, classes could only take you so far. It's the real world experience. It's the interactive feel. And I know your course brings that. But what, what I'm gathering from you is that it's the experience. It's making these people, the kids at a, at a pretty young age, um, feel the pain, so to speak. Yes. Like, like, hey... This is not just money doesn't grow on trees. So here, you're going to get your $100 for the month. And when we go out to eat, now you're going to pick. Because when that money runs out, if it runs out in two weeks, you're not joining us for the family dinner when we when we go out. Or or you're not going to be able to, to get that big burger or whatever you wanted to get if you just spend recklessly. I think those, it's, it's almost as if taking it to an even nth degree where... Uh, you have a kid now in college who's living on his or her own, and they have a, an allowance because, again, we know a lot of college kids, they work a little bit, maybe some of them don't, their parents are helping them through. Uh, the ones that will be more responsible and ready for the real world post-college are the ones that are going to have to maintain a monthly budget. And if that means that their electricity or their water is going to get shut off because they haven't paid the bill... You can't be a parent to come and bail them out. They have to feel that pain if they ever want to truly appreciate the value of the dollar. That's exactly right. And you know, when do when do you stop bailing them out? If you you know, if you if you bail them out when they're in college and then they get like at some point you are going to say, No, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And you you have to really think about what what that looks like and the stakes are so much higher when they have their first rent check that's due and they don't have the money is that the moment where you're going to tell your kid no because to me I'd rather tell my kid no when he's in high school and all of his uh, basic needs are met and now it's to your point you know where he's run out of money uh, and so he doesn't get to go out to eat with us. That lesson was so much softer that he knows now he's in Indiana, 11 hours away from me. He manages his money and he knows not to call me. Mm. You know, the money has taught him these lessons in high school while I was there to walk beside him. Like, you know, when I made him buy school supplies, he didn't have enough money for this calculator that he felt like he needed for school. So I was trying to help him through some other ways. He ended up finding, we live really close to Duke and UNC here in North Carolina, and he found the calculator uh, in um, on Craigslist being sold at a pawn shop. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But I went with him on a Saturday morning where it was, I felt like, well, maybe all of the dangerous people are still asleep. And we went in and he got his pawn shop calculator. There were tons of them there from these college students who were looking for extra money. And he saved 
half, you know, it was like 45 bucks. And, and the, the one at Staples was over 100 For the exact same result. For the exact same result. And he was literally high-fiving the pawn shop guy. And in that moment, he got to keep what he saved and learned a very valuable lesson. Now, I will also say that he knew, because he's grown up with me, that if he misplaces that calculator, that he will have to buy another one. And there is no additional money. When I gave him the school supply money, that is the money. And you are responsible for those school supplies. And if you lose them, similar to what would happen as an adult when I lose my things... I have to replace things that I need. So, I mean, these life lessons, from him to be right beside me, walking through these lessons, learning tips and tricks on how to save and, and how to make wise choices and, and you know, requiring him to get a job. And, you know, he had a conflict with his manager. He was there to talk to me about it. He and I talked about a raise he went and advocated for himself on getting a raise. I don't want to have these conversations when he's a long way away from me and, you know, the timing may be, not be right. It's over the phone. So try to put as many adulting lessons in his high school years as I can to get him ready so that it's not the very first time he's experiencing this yes. when he's on his own. Yeah, that's that's absolutely beautiful. What is the what is the biggest issue that most people face? Not only when they're coming out of school and going into their young adult lives. I mean, this is probably something standard across the board for all people, regardless of their age. What's the to me? It would seem like credit card debt is probably the most notorious problem for most people. Is that is that correct? Well, I think credit card debt is a symptom of a larger problem, which is we don't want as adults to have limits put on us we don't like being told no we don't like um you know having to tighten our belt and you know eat ramen you know if if something happens and your car breaks down and so you you know you got three thousand dollars that you had to take out of your savings account or worse put on your credit card for this emergency what you really should do is tighten your belt or go get a side job, depending on you know the extent of the, it, that emergency, get a side job to earn the money to dig yourself out of debt or pay yourself back as quickly as possible. But that is hard and boring and you know whatever. Like, so instead, we just kind of let it ride and you know have credit card debt, uh, living within our means, is also boring and painful where we sometimes want to treat ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that goes on a credit card or we save less than we should, which leads us to problems when an emergency arises, not just feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, spending money that you know you shouldn't or looking around at other people and just, you know, well, they have stuff I don't. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to get stuff because I, you know, I want to look good too or whatever. And most of the time that manifests itself in credit card debt, but also, you know, not having the money to buy a house so that instead of every month paying yourself back 
for that loan, you're paying rent to someone else. You're paying someone else's loan because you didn't have the self-discipline to tighten your belt and save up to get, you know, you could improve your own situation. We sort of live in today, not to belabor the point, but and again, like it feels like some of the lessons that I learn or most of them come in these lightning bolt moments. And I was sitting in a, uh, a actually a sales meeting. This, this guy was trying to sell life insurance, but he said that the reason why we don't save for the future is because that's like saving for a stranger. We don't know future us. And so, but we do know current us and current us, you know, wants a new car. And if that means kind of hurting future us, well, so be it because we don't even know that guy, you know? And I thought that was a really powerful, it's true. It's really true. It is true, Uh, unfortunately, our future us is just our current us on steroids. So if you, if you, if you have a, an urge to buy a new car today and you want that fancy, shiny object, you're going to most likely want that fancier, shinier object 20 years from now. It's just it's just the way it goes. So, um, but yeah, so the credit card thing, and you mentioned this earlier, Sharla, is that what people have to realize, regardless of your age group and regardless of your economic status, Everything that is that you see, whether you open up your phone, uh, the computer, you turn on the TV, everything is, is an advertisement trying to get you to give your money to that company or that person in return in exchange for a service or a product, etc. And again, the credit card companies are no different. People go, oh, I just got a $10,000 credit line or 20 or pick whatever the number is. They don't re- the, the, the credit card company is not necessarily saying that you can afford that. But they, but they, right. they, they know that you're going to most likely because of what you said. These the symptom, the problem that we have to just stay within our means. Oh, I've got a ten thousand dollar line of credit now, even though I shouldn't be spending anything, and now I've got now I'm I'm pushing it up to to the max limit, and it's going to take me forever, if ever, to pay this off. And the credit card company sits back and laughs because they're making the money every single month on your interest payment. You better believe it. Right. It is they. That credit limit is nothing more than the amount, the maximum amount they are willing to risk on your bad behavior. So they've yes. done a model that says, okay, so if we if we give this guy ten thousand, then chances are it's it's clearly going to be a stretch, you know, because I, we want him to spend as much as possible. But we also know from his credit history or whatever that, you know, maybe more than 10000 might put our money in jeopardy, and we don't want that. But, man, if we can, if we can get this guy on the line for $9,999, <laughs> our return on investment will be huge because it, that'll just sit there and snowball. Yeah. Because, and, you know, you're, and we'll, you're gonna, they, yeah, they don't care gonna, anything about us. They're going to get you at a 20% rate. At the nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and you're going to be paying approximately one hundred and seventy five dollars a month in fees every single yeah. month. So you're trying to knock your credit card down. It's hard enough as it is just to make the principal payment on it or whatever the minimum amount due. And on top of that, now you got to pay one hundred and seventy five dollars in interest. So that's right. And again, that's that's after taxes. So that one hundred seventy five is probably more. You have to make like two fifty um, just to cover that. 
Yeah. And they feel, you know, and then they'll send you a thing. Oh, we've increased your credit limit and you feel proud. Wow. (laughs) No, that's not it. They just just know, oh, we've got them. Oh, we've got them. Let's let's amp this thing up and again this is the type of stuff that I say this needs to be taught more in schools I don't care what what the reason is for why they haven't they should be looking to ways to implement this more into the high schools and beyond obviously college especially um, so that takes me to your program before we finish it up beyond personal finance talk about your curriculum and how it works sure so like I said it's a 20 lesson uh, program that takes kids teenagers from age 22 to 42 so every lesson there's uh, 20 lessons in there and every lesson uh, a sound financial principle uh, about you know credit card interest and buying a house and buying a car all those things but then rather than just leaving it and be like okay one day choose wisely I then take the lesson home by saying okay here you You've chosen a career, so here's your income for the year. And you've already locked yourself into an apartment. And now, and and that apartment and, you know, how much you're going to eat, you just make all these choices. Now, add in a car. Do you have enough in that savings account to buy it with cash? Or do you have to have a loan? And they are looking at their own numbers that have been created every single lesson so that they can see the quality of my life depends on the quality of my choices. And, you know, I've had kids who have learned um, how important it is to pick a career that will uh, support the expenses and the lifestyle they, they were choosing. You know, like one of my things is on food. Do you like to eat at home? Do you like to, and, but, and pretty basic, peanut butter and jelly. Or do you like to eat at home, but you like to cook fancier food? That's a totally different number than do you like to eat out that's mostly kind of junk food versus do you like to eat out of nice restaurants? And those are four choices that equate to dollar amounts that is taken out of that career salary that we give them. <laughs> and then they see, oh, man, I didn't know. And, of course, they have taxes that come out every every lesson and so now that it is more personal when I teach the next sound financial principle I go okay think about your you know think about your budget right now do you have 20% for a house down payment you know and some kids do and some kids don't and if you do what got you there how were you able to have enough for a down payment and if you don't same question where'd your money go and, you know, the answer is different for each person. Um, some of them have student loans that they, they took on because of the college they chose. Some of them don't have enough saved because their career didn't pay them enough to save based on their choices. You know, just various things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go through all the way to 42. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, you're halfway to retirement. How much have you saved up? Oh, here's how much you'll need. And the retirement lesson is always my my best one because some of them feel really fat. In fact, their savings account is big in their eyes. And I go, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. Count up the number of children you have had in our class. It's, it's a random thing. Uh, they roll the dice, uh, virtual dice, whatever. <laughs> Count up the number of kids. Okay, now, college is, as you know, about $80,000. So... Backed out 
80000 for each kid you have. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, well, yeah, aren't you going to pay for your kid's college? Because you're, your parents paid for yours in, in your scenario that you told me at the beginning of class. And they're just aghast at the whole thing. You know, it's so yeah. good because they're like, I'm not paying for my kid's college. What about, what like, about well, the... It's interesting because you expected your parent to pay for you. Right. What about and the baby like, oh, formula? Oh <laughs> Let's go back 18, 22 years prior. What about all that baby formula? That's right. <laughs> and, you know, so that's, I, so I love it because it's, it's lessons, you know, when they have their first baby in my class and they have to take out $11,000 from their budget right. and they're so mad and they're like, I can't believe kids are this expensive. And I'm like, yeah. And imagine spending all that money on a kid who is, disrespectful to you mm. and they're like oh that'd be terrible I go yeah hope you're really nice to your parents because they're spending a lot on you and man if you're a jerk to them whew, it they feel that money a lot more than if you're grateful and you know you're just like hey mom I'm, I'm so thankful you know thank yeah. you for for doing what you do and Charlotte this anyway, class so this, this beyond personal class and it, it's it can be done two ways it can be done a self-paced uh, class where you know with some parental oversight it can be done at home uh, but really the secret sauce is when it's done in either a small group that is kind of hosted by a parent or an adult um, all the videos are recorded online, so there's not much financial teaching that has to be done, but there's a whole lot of life conversations that come up when you do it in a small group um, yeah. or even in your own home with, with multiple teenagers. And then I, of course, live via Zoom to, to kids across the country um, and where we'll have these discussions via Zoom. But, man, it sure is, sure is good when it's teenagers who know each other in a small group setting where they can learn off of the choices that they they made and they can kind of you know show each other their budgets side by side and, and like oh look how much I'm you know how much I'm saving versus well wow, what happened to me there's a lot of learning there um that's hard, hard to replicate. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, listen, I have my oldest will soon be a, a teenager in the next several years, so um, I may have to take you up on this program. Uh, yes. BPFclass.com. We will link that in the show notes. Anywhere else you want people to take a look at online? Um, well, you can start there. I've got um, an, an opportunity when you go to bpfclass.com to subscribe to my weekly content where that's where I really provide additional um, resources um, and, and things where, you know, once a week just to kind of help people on their parenting journey because it is, it is about money. But it's also bigger. It's about this mindset shift that we need to have to remember we are raising adults. I lived far more years outside of my mother's home than I, than I did inside it. And I was woefully unprepared for the world I entered. I, I just didn't know. And I don't. I don't want that. I didn't want that for my journey, and I don't want that for anybody else. So, to the extent that I can help and encourage and give ideas on 
training responsible and ready adults. Um, that's what I do. Charlotte McKinley, hey, thank you so much. We link you up in the show notes and uh, look forward awesome. to staying in touch and, and thank you for everything you're doing for the next generation, so to speak. Well, thank you for having me. I, I really do appreciate the opportunity to share.